0: The no,
1: Thanks for worshiping with us this morning go ahead and have a seat and jess will make her way up for a couple of announcements
2: hey everybody my name is jess if i haven't met you i'm the kids coordinator here at or kids ministry coordinator here at new hope i'm usually found down that hallway where we um, have a lot of fun teaching kids how to find and follow jesus Um, we as a church our goal is to help others find and follow Jesus. If you've been here for a while, you know that. If you're new, that is what we seek to do. So we want to invite you, if you look at the front of your bulletin today, February 19th, we have a training day. Um, This is open to everyone, and this is meant to just help us be equipped to help others find and follow Jesus. Whether you are a ministry leader, a ministry team leader, a parent, um, your discipling, a friend, whatever that may be, all are welcome. We are providing lunch or breakfast and um, child care. So 8 to 11, um, there'll be a lot of opportunity to pick a class. Um, there's lots of workshops to just come and join in fellowship and figure out uh, practical ways to be able to help others find and follow Jesus, because that is our ultimate goal here. So if you have any questions, go ahead and email the office. Otherwise, you can sign up on our website or use your connection card that you can find in here in your bulletin. Um, Also today, uh, remember that there's a church business meeting after second service. And to celebrate our win, we have Jeff and Frank coming up. Yes, somewhere. Okay, they're gonna um, show you another really awesome way that they're helping um, others find and follow Jesus as well.
3: Good morning, uh, Pastor Ryan uh, asked asked us this morning if we would mind highlighting uh, the men's ministry and and some of the things that we've got going on right now, and and like to like to get up here a couple times a year and encourage the men of New Hope to. Uh, get involved in uh, different things uh, throughout the church. And uh, one of those specifically that's near and dear to my heart is is men's ministry. And uh, Frank's going to talk to you a little bit here about a ministry team that we've added to uh, the men's ministry uh, this past year. Uh, But before I hand it over to Frank, just a reminder that on Saturday, February 12th, It's our uh, final men's breakfast of the season. Uh, It's the second, it's always the second Saturday of November, December, January, and February. Normally, it's at uh, 7 Uh, a.m. The month of February, we're actually backing it up. It's going to start at 9.30 And so those of you that have uh, the last couple years said, yeah, I'd be there, but seven's a little early, we'll expect to see you here on the 12th then. We backed it up just for you men. So uh, encourage you to get here for that. If you've been to Men's Breakfast, uh, thank you for getting involved. If you haven't been to Men's Breakfast, it's really kind of a trifecta. It's a great time of fellowship, it's great food, and we always have a great message. So I would greatly encourage you to get out on the 12th if you can join us. And then uh, one other thing, kind of an early plug, our chili cook-off this year is gonna be Saturday, March 26th. And uh, Tyler and Trevor are working out details on that, but we'll get uh, get that advertised out here. Um, And I want to introduce Frank. If you don't know Frank, um, fairly new to uh, New Hope. Uh, Just feel like God put him here for a purpose, uh, Frank really has a heart for outdoor ministry, and it's something that we've been trying to get going here in New Hope uh, from a couple of years ago. A group of men went to Iron Sharpens Iron Conference and and came away enthused about getting something like that started at New Hope, and then COVID hit, uh, kind of put us behind the eight ball a little bit. So, uh, really excited to see this uh, new ministry getting started here. So, I'm going to Turn it over to Frank and let him tell you a little bit
4: about it. Thanks, Jeff. Um, here, about uh, a little more than seven years ago, I started my uh, my walk with Jesus, and uh, it happened on a on a mountain road as I was headed back down after meeting with a group of guys, and. Uh, What that group of guys meant to me um, and showed me really put uh, put it on my heart to to share with, likewise with young men, and um, they gave me uh, they gave me examples of things like honor, and courage, and fortitude and resilience and uh, I, I was able to see them uh, live that out in their lives, and so uh, it really kind of put it on my heart uh, that I needed to share with, uh, with other young men, and so my wife and I started uh, coming here oh just uh, a couple years ago during, during COVID, and uh, right before, and then COVID hit, and so when we plugged back in after COVID, um, there was quite a few of you men out there that had, uh, had this on your hearts as well. And we got together and shared. And this is kind of what come of it. Uh, you can see some of the pictures from, uh, from fishing and, and things that we've done here lately. We had uh, uh, one of the other things. Uh, you notice that big pile of wood not out there in the field anymore. That, uh, that was a big raging bonfire a few weeks ago. But uh, one of the things we're going to do is reach young men's, and we're going to do it by standing around a campfire and uh, doing a little bit of fishing, a little bit of talking uh, about our journey and and show them ag- examples of good things. So fishing, camping, canoeing, things that, uh, you know, cutlery, archery, a lot of things that uh, young men... Mm, might or might not get a chance to do all the time at their at their place uh, or their home, and uh, we really aim to uh, to kind of start this here uh, with our young men. Um, but what we're what we're really looking for is uh, what we're really looking for is the opportunity to go outside of of here and to have uh, these young men invite. Their school friends, or, or people they know that might uh, might benefit from a from a, a day of activity that we can offer. Um, so I, I, you know, we'd really like to see uh, the young men come. Ages eight to eighteen is what we're focusing on. Um, we have just as many dads show up and participate, and so it really is uh, it really is a multi generational. Uh, Ministry, but uh, we'd really like to show those young men uh, some of those four core principles. And so, uh, that's a little bit about uh, about that ministry.
3: Thank you. What What do you have planned for February? Do you know yet? Yeah, one, of the
4: last two, uh, one of the last one of the last two weekends in February, uh, we haven't chosen. It'll be the 19th or the 26th, uh, based on availability. Availability. We're going to get together and. While the ice is ready, we're going to do that ice fishing again. We had a great turnout uh, for ice fishing, and the kids caught a lot of fish. They had fun, and so we'd like to do that again. And we just uh, we're scheduling that with uh, with another pond that might be stocked full of uh, nice fish to catch.
3: Thank you, Frank. And one thing that I would would like to reiterate what Frank said um, would encourage you if if you have a a young man in your in your home that uh, you'd like to bring him out and get involved in that, we encourage you to do that. Or if you know a family that has a young man or maybe a neighbor kid, uh, bring them out. And it, it was really kind of neat. We had at at any given time we probably had ten to twelve uh, young boys out there ice fishing. But it was also encouraging to see some of the men come out who don't have young kids and 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 pour into these these other young kids and there were some men there that have never iced fish before so it was pretty neat experience and don't worry it's safe if the ice wasn't thick enough i would have not been out on it so uh if that's a if that's a uh an issue don't don't let that worry you we wouldn't do it if it wasn't safe
4: and you don't have to bring them um we uh we are. We have enough people here involved. If you know of somebody, a single mother, who just needs a break, uh, or a, a family situation, um, if you get us their information, we'll make sure uh, if they are willing to to get there, uh, that those uh, those young men get there. So, thank you. And I, I'm going to go ahead and uh, pray for
3: the offering and. Um Just a reminder, if you look at the slide, there are multiple different ways at New Hope that that you can give. You can drop a check by the office. Uh, There's a box in the lobby. Uh, You can get on the Alexio app. Do it through the website. So uh, if you would, if you'd pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for this beautiful, crisp day that you provided for us. And and, uh, just thank you so much for Frank and, and the other men who have... Uh, worked behind the scenes to get the fireside ministry up and going here at New Hope, Lord. And this is just one of many examples of uh, the use, the responsible use of the resources that our church body provides to you, Lord, to, to uh, further your word, further your kingdom here in Adel and the surrounding area, Lord. We just ask that uh, you would prepare our our hearts and our minds for the message that you've provided to Ryan this morning,
1: All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to New Hope. Also, you online. Welcome as well. I'm Ryan, the lead pastor. If we haven't met, and uh, and Jeff and Frank, thank you also for sharing. And let me just echo: uh, I I was out there on the ice, had a great time, caught absolutely nothing, and still enjoyed my time tremendously. I'm fishing challenged, but hearing we're doing it again in February, I may try it one more time. See if I can uh, see if I can get one. And if you missed if you missed it too, the name of this new ministry is called Fireside. And so, if you hear that, that terminology in the months and years to come, fireside is what it's called. And, and hope uh, you gentlemen would uh, just get involved. It's a great time uh, to be to be together. Uh, Today's a special day. Not only are we here in Revelation, we're going to keep going here in just a moment, but I want to mention too after second service day and and just briefly mentioned it, we're having our our, uh, business meeting today and uh, we're going to be giving some important updates including on the Expanding Hope building project. We've got some uh, information about a start date. Uh, Things are really cooking and all the sort of the behind the scenes stuff that we don't see uh, is happening and it's happening in a great way. So be encouraged church and uh, you're going to start seeing some stuff happening here on the property soon. So we're going to be talking about that. And also, and many other things as well, but uh, but I'm going to mention something we're going to talk about later now, though, and that is a reminder that tomorrow's a big deal because tomorrow the church opens up officially for the hiring process for our new associate pastor. This is of worship in small groups, and I've mentioned that a few weeks ago, and I just want to mention it again and just really ask, please, would you be praying uh, for us as New Hope Church as we uh, discern the different resumes that come in and just who God has for that role for the future, for this church. So we'll keep you posted every step of the way, of course, but uh, tomorrow is a big deal as that uh, job officially opens after a a lot of prayer and prep has gone into it. So uh, we'll be talking more about that as well here uh, today after second service also. But if you would, though, please grab your Bibles, whether it's paper or, or digital, however you do it, and turn to Revelation chapter 1 is uh, where we're at. And and remember, this is a, a new sermon series. We, in fact, we launched it last Sunday called The End. And what we are doing is taking three months and we are walking through the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. Some of you have spent a lot of time in this book. Some of you, this is brand new. We're really at a lot of different places here as a church, but we're going to be linking arms and journeying together over these weeks to learn how to live ready and what God has for us in light of this book and what is to come. Now I want to just encourage if you missed the first message that you can go back uh, to the church website. Uh, all the messages are there or Facebook. You can go there as well. And please do check out that first message because the first message from last Sunday really lays the foundation for for everything else we're going to be talking about in the remaining weeks. Uh, just to give a quick recap, we had three big ideas, and they were this. Number one, that revelation is, is prophetic. And what that means is that revelation, that word literally means to reveal or to pull a curtain back, to give us a glimpse behind. But it's, it's the idea of pulling back the curtain so that we could see what must soon take place. This is a book of prophecy. Second, we talked about how this is a book that is intended to be a blessing, that is a church, if this is a book that you've ever felt fearful of, a little uncertain of diving in, this is not a book of fear. This is a book of, of encouragement. This is a book that is intended to give his church, Jesus' church, we are part of that courage and hope to live as followers of him. And so it's a blessing that we're gonna have as we go through this book. And then finally, number three, that Revelation is a letter. This is a letter that was penned by John, the, the same John who wrote other books of the Bible, who is a disciple of Jesus, and was sent out to seven historical, real churches who are going through real difficult times, persecution for their faith. And this book was an encouragement to them. I also want to mention a remind us in the lobby, near the center table there in the lobby, there is a questions table there, and these cards are here. Remember at any time during the sermon series, if you feel like you're getting lost or you have a question about something, you simply fill this out, drop it in the boxes there on that table and we'll respond to you back that week or my email address is there. I'll be happy to interact with you as well. just want to make sure that we're all tracking together, encouraged together as we go through this book in the coming weeks. So hopefully you're there in Revelation chapter 1. We're going to pick up now in verse 9 is where we're going to begin. Verse 9 and we're going to work our way this morning through the rest of this first chapter. Let's go ahead and read together. Revelation chapter 1 verse 9. It says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos. Now maybe first you hear this, you're like, well that sounds lovely. Like grab the trunks and sunscreen, right? Because it's an island and especially we're freezing up here, right? This is a place I want to be. No, this is not a place you want to be. This is not a good spot for John. But he says he was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Let's pause here real quick. So th- this is John, as we just said. This is the, the same John who, who could have introduced himself, by the way, in a, any number of ways here. John who had an impressive resume. J- John could have said, "I here's a letter from John who who wrote uh, before this now four books of the Bible pretty good I John who was who was original 12 disciple as well in the 12 disciples of Christ that's impressive Uh, this is John who is the leader of the early church who who was the person who had high authority and, and was and was somebody who who mentored and coached and pastored for a number of decades John could have pulled out any number of sort of statements about himself but he doesn't do that does he he doesn't, he humbly notes two things. He says, I, John, a fellow believer, your brother. And he points out as someone who also liked the audience who's receiving this letter, who is suffering. Now, John wasn't suffering because he'd done something wrong. John was suffering because of his faith in Jesus. John was suffering because he, he was a Jesus follower and he talked about his faith to other people. And as a result... John was sent to the island of Patmos. I want to give you uh, first a map so you kind of get a a bearing of where Patmos is. It's in the lower right-hand corner there. I've circled it in red. It's an island there in the Mediterranean. And uh, you'll see those other cities, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum. Those are the other uh, cities where these churches are located. They're going to receive this letter originally. But that's where John was sent. Here's another picture of what Patmos looks like today just to get a feel for it. Patmos at this time, though, this is a Roman Alcatraz. This is an outdoor prison. The people that that were sent there were sent there to die. They were dropped off there, and they were left. And they had to fend for themselves. And this is where John was sent. Now, now John, again, remember, he was sent there for his faith. And just to highlight again, we just read it, because of the word of God and the testimony about Jesus. He's very old at this time. I mean, he, he's near the end of his life, and this is, for all purposes, a lifetime banishment. It would appear for John that this is the end of his story. But we know the Lord is not done with him yet because of this, this scene here and in this location. While it looked like everything was over for John, Jesus shows up and says, No, no, we're not done yet. We've got book number five to write, the last book, Revelation. And he begins to give him this testimony where he began to write this down. Now, I want to highlight a principle here. Now, on the back of your bulletin, hopefully you have one. Your first fill-in-the-blank this morning. It's this idea. Suffering can increase the more I walk with Jesus. Now, if we close in prayer at this moment, that would be a very discouraging message. <laughs> very discouraging. But this is what can happen. This is something that, in, in some of you, you know, you've walked with Christ for a long time. See, sometimes I think there might be this assumption sort of baked in, to our theology that the, the more I, I live as a longer I live as a Christian or the, the closer I draw to him in relationship, the better life gets. And I actually think that is true. I do think life gets better, but it doesn't get easier. It doesn't get easier, and that's the key thing that we have to remember. It it, it never has. It never will. This is why, and if you hear of this, if you see it, or you kind of hear the the tones of it, this sort of health and wealth theology and doctrine that floats around today, and it's popular in American churches, but this idea that, that God is your genie in a bottle, and He exists to make you healthy, to make you wealthy, to make you happy, to make you comfortable, And to do all these things so that you can live your best life today, well, that's garbage. And it's unbiblical. This This is not what we see in Scripture over and over again. This is why, by the way, the universal symbol for Christianity, it's a cross, which is a torture instrument of death. It's a cross and not a dollar sign. Because we are called as people, when we, when we say yes to Jesus, we take up our cross, don't we? We walk with him in that posture of understanding that God sometimes allows his people to suffer. He, he just does. And there's a whole lot that we could say about that. Because naturally you say, well, well, why? Like, Why would a good God or a kind God allow his people to suffer? What is that about him that would allow that? And it's a, it's a great question. It's not one that we can take on in full this morning. But can I just offer one thought? And the one thought about this is this. Is that when you suffer, and for some of you, you're like when you are suffering today. But when you suffer and you go through a hard time, God can do something in and through you through a moment like that that he he wouldn't or couldn't do otherwise and otherwise in other words he uses those moments in profound ways to change who we are in fact even in the early church there was this saying among the early church who recognized this that the that the blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church in other words that as as Christians in the early church would suffer and even to the point of laying down their life or it was taken from them that it was in those moments that that is how the church exploded on the scene. It was through hardship. It was through, it was through suffering and through struggle. See, the kingdom of God advances through the hurt of his people. You I say, well, how does that work? Can I just point out one thing? And I hope you find this interesting and important reminder. That the watching world... When they look at the church, what do you think they see? There's probably lots of different answers for that. And some of them not very flattering. But when the watching world looks at a church, and I don't just mean the gathering of the church, but like when the church is out, when we're we're scattered about our lives throughout the week, what is the most powerful way that the church has an impact on a watching world? Like what's the thing about the church that makes the world say, that's different, it's two things. And we see this in Scripture. Two things. Number one, it's the way that you and I love each other. John 13 talks about this. That, that when that The way that we come together and we, we share life and we pray for each other and we carry each other's burdens, and, we, and even though we come from different backgrounds and different faith backgrounds even or just demographic, it doesn't matter that when we come together as the church, we love one another, and that makes the world take note and say that's different. The second thing, though, is not only how we love each other, it's how you and I respond when we hurt. It's how you and I respond in terms of staying faithful, faithful to our faith and faithful to obey and just keep walking even when things are not okay. And that's what a watching world stands up, takes note, and says, that's different. Why do you do that? Why is that the case? What is it about you that does that? How, how is that the case? See, this is why Paul, he wrote these words, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, just look at the screen behind me. He, he wrote these words. He said this, I want to know Christ. This is his personal sort of mission statement. Is this your heartbeat as well? He says, I want to know Christ. Well, how he says, in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. See, you and I, we can't fully know the person or heart of God apart from hurting. Think about this way: you can't know, you can't know Jesus as Prince of Peace until you're so wrapped up in anxiety that you come before him and he shows himself as Prince of Peace. You can't know him as Comforter until you need to be comforted. And when you come in that place where you're hurting and where you're struggling, then he has the opportunity to show up in some powerful ways and to take us deeper. This is why, and this is tremendous irony, that in the midst of hurt, it is possible to experience unmatched deep satisfaction Enjoy, even when things are not okay. Do you notice in this passage, John is not complaining. He just lays it out. I'm on Patmos. Everybody knows what that means. Things are not going well. But this is where I'm at. And he's okay. He's not complaining. And back to Paul in this verse in, in chapter 3, verse 10. See, what he knows, what he knew, and what we need to know is this idea that the path To know Jesus more always goes through the valley of hurt. At some point you have to go through because that's the place you really get to know him. That's the place that he really can show us who he is in a powerful way. And so this is Johnny. He that's the scene. I'm on this island. It's not going well. I'm here because of my faith. And, and then he, let's get going in verse 10. He continues to lay the setting here for us. He says, on the Lord's day, Sunday, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Now this is Jesus, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches in Ephesus, in Smyrna, in Pergamum in Thyatira, in Sardis, in Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Those churches, we just showed the map there. Remember, this is a moving letter. It would go to one church, they would read it. Go to the next church, they would read it. And so here's this introduction from Jesus, this, this letter that he wants written down and sent to these seven churches. Now, I want to do a quick infomercial real quick, and then we'll get back, back to the passage here. But uh, if you turn the page in your Bible or just scroll further digitally, you'll see chapters 2 and chapter 3. What Jesus does here is he has these personal notes to each of these seven churches. And each of these notes, he, he, he talks to these churches. Specifically, he says, look, hey, this church, I see what you're going through, this and that, and, and here's what you're doing really well, and here's some areas you need to grow in. And, and he has these custom messages to each church that would have been a great encouragement as those were read to the churches. Now, a year and a half ago, we went through this sermon series. Some of you are like, I remember that one. Yeah, we went through for seven weeks, seven letters to these seven churches, one per week, and we unpacked them in great and tremendous detail there. We are not, in this sermon series, going to go through chapters 2 and 3. Next Monday, we're jumping to chapter 4 to get to more of the details of Revelation. So I want to encourage you, and here's my infomercial, on the website, you can go back and listen to all these messages. You can you can take them in. Or if nothing else, my encouragement this week, would you take some time, grab your Bible on your own, open it up, and would you get some time in Revelation chapters 2 and 3? Just, just read through them. Seven churches, seven days in a week. Maybe do one church per, per day. Just make your way through that. And spend some time and enjoy those chapters on your own. Because next week when we come together, we're jumping to chapter 4. To, and we'll keep going verse by verse through there. So that's my infomercial on those seven churches. Now we're in verse 12. We're going to lock in and finish up this chapter here. Verse 12, he continues. He says, I turned around. This is John now. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw. Now, what do you think he saw? This is is an important moment here. So so John hears his voice. He turns around and what he's going to see or who he's going to see is Jesus. Prepare to be amazed. Now, now remember, this is John. John who spent decades prior a whole lot of time with Jesus. He knew what Jesus looked like. He knew what his smile was like, his hair color, if he had crooked teeth or not, whatever. He, he knew his person. I mean, he, he knew Jesus. Last time he saw him was the ascension after the, after the resurrection. It had been decades since he'd seen him. John's going to turn around and there's Jesus again. The first time in decades since he's seen him. But Jesus doesn't look like he did before. We're going to get a glimpse of what Jesus looks like today. We're going to to see the indescribable Jesus. And John trying to describe for us the person who is indescribable. And so I want to walk through these verses here uh, with us as, as we just sort of enjoy it and drink it in here. Let's keep going. He says, When I turned, I saw seven... Golden lampstands. Now, that word lampstands, that can mean also lamps or a candlestick. It can mean that too. Maybe your your translation reflects that. So I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was one like the Son of Man. So he turns and he, he sees Jesus, and Jesus standing by these seven candles. And, and, and here he is, and, and here's what I love about this, is we're going to learn is that the candles each represent the churches. This would be the one in Ephesus, for example. The one in Philadelphia, for example. I love where John sees Jesus standing. He's standing with the candles, with the churches, could you imagine when this letter was read here to the, the original readers here and they see this, this first thing about Jesus they see is that Jesus standing with his persecuted church and then later a custom letter to each of those churches and Jesus talking to them, I see what you're going through. This would have been an amazing encouragement to those that first church there. They would have said to themselves, he, he knows us. He sees us. He sees what we're going through, all this persecution and hardship we're facing. He sees it all. It's Jesus standing among the, the, the lanterns there, the lamps. And I hope this is an encouragement to us as well. It's the same. Jesus knows his church. This is his bride. And every local church expression of that, including New Hope Church, he cares, he sees, he's with us. And then John begins to move into this striking description of who Jesus, what he looks like, filled with symbolism. Let's continue on. And I hope, see, this is going to blow John's mind away. And I hope it does for you as well this morning. He says, I see there was someone like the Son of Man, uh, continues on, says dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash Around his chest. So here we see Jesus. Interesting. He's wearing a robe. He's, he's dressed as a priest, as the high priest. In fact, he's wearing a priestly robe with the robe and the sash that's going there. It continues on. It says the the hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. And at this time in history, when uh, longevity wasn't quite as common. Anybody who had gray hair was esteemed. It was like a, a person of honor. Some of you are like, hey man, let's bring that back, right? It was, it was somebody who they would assume that they were wise because of the gray hair that they had. And you see Jesus, this symbol, if you will, of, of wisdom that he has. It continues on. It says, "...and his eyes were like uh, blazing fire, piercing and, and penetrating in holiness." It uh, continues on. It says his, his feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. It's powerful, isn't it? Authority and strong. It says in his right hand he held seven stars. And we'll see this later on, but each of these stars represent um, the angels of the seven churches, which highlights here that, that Jesus the angels serve him. that He has full authority over, over the angels. And, and he they serve him and he protects them. And it continues on. It says, And coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. Obviously, this is symbolic. It's not a literal sword. It's not held in his hands. coming out of his mouth. But the idea here is the word of truth, the gospel message. Jesus is the word. He speaks it. And it continues on. It says, And his face was like the sun, shining in all of its brilliance. Wow. This is this is Jesus. This is the Jesus that we love, that we worship, that we serve, and who's coming back. This is him and and this is him in in his in his glory. Let's keep going in verse 17. It says and when I saw him I fell at his feet as though dead. Could could you imagine? I sort of get it like he is so utterly overwhelmed he he has nothing to do his knees give way i don't know he just falls flat on his face before this before Jesus in this scene of who he is and what he looks like among the lampstands it's incredible and then Jesus shows up he says then he placed his right hand on me and he says do, do not be afraid and I love this. Remember, every time in Scripture where God says, do not be afraid, He gives you a reason. And the reason is always Himself. He's going to describe who He is. He says, I am the first and the last. I, I'm the living one. This is pretty matter-of-fact. He says, I, I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. I love this message. He says, John, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. By extension, church. Don't be afraid. And he points out so many things about himself here in these verses here, but none is more poignant. This idea of Jesus says, look, I was dead. I'm not anymore. See, friends, we worship a living Savior Today We have a relationship with a living Savior. Yes, they they took his life or, or he laid it down on the cross. He did die, but he is alive today. The resurrection is real and here he is in his renewed body. And we have this opportunity to have a relationship with a living Savior who has full authority over all things. Here's your next fill in the blank. It's this idea to help drive this home. And I hope you capture this this morning. That no one and nothing compares to Jesus. And if you get nothing else this morning out of this morning, I hope that this is something you walk away with. Just a renewed sense of awe of who He is. Of who He is. That if there's any place in your life or heart where Jesus becomes white noise, because we talk about Him all the time, or we read the different verses in the Bible you know, different times, and, and we sort of like, yeah, I've heard it, I've heard it, I've heard it. But hear it a fresh way this morning. And see it in a fresh way here this morning that that infant child humbly laid in a manger that first Christmas, this is him. And this is who we know and who we love. And there is no one and there is nothing that compares to him. You can search high and low throughout this whole world and you will not find anything that compares to him. Verse 19, let's finish up this morning. Jesus speaks, continues to speak. He says, right. Therefore, what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later, the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and of the seven golden lampstands is this: The seven stars are the seven or excuse me, are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands, or the candlesticks, are the seven churches. I hope this morning that you are overwhelmed in the best way. I hope this morning that that, about who Jesus is. And and in a second, we're going to respond in worship. You notice we just did a couple songs on the beginning. We're going to do more here in just a moment. But how appropriate is that? To respond in worship to who he is. This is so important that we do that. But before we do, I just want to have one last thought and one last fill in the blank. And here it is. Don't ever forget, friends, that we are an indestructible church who worships an indescribable Christ. Don't ever, ever forget that. Don't ever look at any news outlet or anything that you read and think that the church is dying or the church is going away. No. The church will never die because Jesus will never stop working. Because his kingdom will never stop advancing. And so his church is alive and active and moving on a global scale. And I love this too, just just to remind us as well, that Jesus symbolized the church as what? He symbolized the church as a light. Now, we're not the light. He's the light. But his light in us, we reflect it. We reflect it as we go. We come together. And then we go from here and we scatter. And as we scatter, we take the light with us. And we become the light in any place where we're at, where we live and where we work. Here in Adel, Menburn, Perry, Redfield, Dexter, Van Meter, DeSoto, Winterset, Dallas Center, Waukee, and more. And all these places where we're at, where we're at, we take the light. And and we share the light. Some of you, I'm a little jealous about this, but some of you, New Hope family, you're watching online this morning from like the south and it's warm down there and we're freezing up here. They need the light there too. So wherever you're at, you spread the light, you share the light because this is what he's called us to do and who he's called us to be. And as you do so, please never forget, never ever forget that you are never ever alone. That Jesus, this picture, and maybe one to just underline your Bible a circle or remember to come back to, that Jesus was standing among the lamps with his people. You're never alone. Whatever it is you're going through, as we as a church family navigate the future and continue to move forward trusting him, we're never alone. He stands with his church. He is Emmanuel, and we don't. You know, we talk about that at Christmas time. God with us, but He's with us all the time. This is who He is. He is the one who is with us, and so I want to remind us all that that um, there's prayer available after this after this service. And so here's what we're going to do in just a moment. In fact, the band, come on up if you would, please. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna stand in just a moment, not now, and we're gonna and we're gonna worship. We're going to worship the one who is indescribable. And when that's done, you're welcome to come forward. And There will be folks up here, if you have anything this morning that's going on in your life and you just want some prayer, it would be be an honor for them to pray with you, uh, with whatever that is, whatever that looks like for you. And then we're going to pray in just a moment here as well and tell God thank you. But never forget how much He loves you how much he's for you. How glorious he is. How grand he is. Some of us, we need that reminder of that. And so after we worship, and we're going to leave from here, and we're going to go spread some light. And that's my encouragement to all of us. Would you join me? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the time to, to look at a passage like this, to behold the scene of, of, of your son, And we thank you that he is powerful and strong. That we can trust you with all the things that we go through. And Father, we know too that we live in a world that is dark. And Father, it is our privilege to be a light among other people. We call it here helping people find and follow Jesus. And so Lord, I pray that you would help us wherever we're at and as we go to do that in a way that brings you pleasure and brings you glory. And Father, now we we worship you who are so worthy. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?
0: Do it.